Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So the lab leak theory validated, banks failing, the Biden family's corrupt business dealings start to unravel. The logical thing to do is arrest Trump. You mad? Me too. The show starts now. Well, folks, it's not Groundhog's Day, but surprise, surprise, they're going after Trump again. How freaking original. First, he was a Russian agent, then impeached, then impeached again, then banned on everything, then raided, and now a new one. Over the weekend, Trump himself dropped this bombshell on his Truth Social account, saying that illegal leaks have led him to believe he will be arrested on Tuesday, tomorrow, noting that the Soros-funded Manhattan DA's office, led by this man, Alvin Bragg, is mounting a fairy tale case against him the former president and leading contender for 2024. At the end of his post, he encouraged protests to take our nation back, and I'll get to that part later. But first, for those who aren't sure what they're trying to peg him with this round of Trump witch trials, well, here you go. Trump is facing possible indictment over a $130,000 hush money payment he allegedly made to porn star Stormy Daniels in 2016. Daniels claimed she had an affair with Trump in 2006, which Trump has denied. Daniels allegedly received the cash through Michael Cohen, Trump's former attorney and fixer. In 2018, Cohen pleaded guilty to violating federal campaign finance laws in connection to the payments and was sentenced to three years in prison. Now, what Trump allegedly did here, paying off a porn star ahead of the election, is generally misdemeanor level stuff. But if what Trump is saying is true of his pending arrest, that would mean Alvin Bragg, the DA who refuses to prosecute or put about anybody, including violent offenders and repeat criminals behind bars, is seeking to upgrade Trump's alleged offense. That in and of itself is some banana republic type crap right there. Should Trump be indicted, he will become the first president in U.S. history to ever face criminal charges after leaving office. Federal prosecutors wouldn't touch this case, but D.A. Alvin Bragg thinks it's worthwhile because Alvin Bragg is bought and paid for by Soros, and he's a Democrat activist agent through and through. And if you don't think this is purely political, I'm sorry you're not very smart, so let me help you out. Alvin Bragg downgraded over half of felony cases to misdemeanors in 2022. Here are some examples. Bragg gave a misdemeanor to a man who committed an anti-Semitic assault in Times Square, to a man who robbed a drugstore at Knife Point, and to a man with 36 priors charged with grand larceny who proceeded to assault a woman on the street. But he's going after Donald J. Trump for hush money to a porn star? Hello, wake up Americans, this is wrong on so many levels. But I will say this to Donald Trump, should he be listening? Don, you have our support. Mega country is behind you, but please, do not even appear to incite a potentially violent protest. Please, we beg you, please, because we are still reeling from January 6th, and it will undoubtedly be your biggest obstacle and the biggest hit against you in 2024, even considering the lies told about that day. We do not need to give the left more insurrection ammunition. We don't, please. 
And I get it. It's completely unfair BS that you mentioned protest and the automatic connotation is violence or insurrection. Protest is one of the most American things and it's protected by our Constitution. But sadly, your words will be misconstrued and it will not go well. You want to encourage something, encourage giant prayer circles or something of that caliber. We do not need to even open the door a crack for potential violence. We've got your back, but you need to keep it all above board. And that goes for the rest of my fellow conservatives and Trump supporters out there. Remember who you are and who we are and rise above. But still ahead, I've got Fourth Watch media editor and author of Uncovered, Stephen Cracker, on deck to break down this looming potential Trump arrest, the Biden family's shady business dealings, and so much more. That's next. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, you're um, revealing that um, Hunter Biden's business associate sent over a million dollars to three of your family members. Any reaction to that report? <laughs> well, actually, Joe, it is true. Thanks to House Republicans, we know Hunter Biden, Bo Biden's widow Haley, and other relatives of the president's family received more than a million dollars in 2017 from an associate who had entered into a business deal with a Chinese energy company. Hunter has no energy experience, and as for Haley Biden, she's a freaking guidance counselor. The House Oversight Committee, led by Republican Representative James Comer of Kentucky, has obtained more than a decade of bank records through subpoenas as it investigates the Biden family, and they've zeroed in on Hunter Biden's associate, John R. Walker, for questioning after pouring over years' worth of his bank records and uncovering that $35,000 payment to Haley Biden, Bo Biden's widow. The GOP findings stated that Walker received a $3 million wire transfer from Chinese State Energy HK Limited, a firm affiliated with CEFC China Energy, then distributed $1.3 million to accounts associated with Biden family members. Why are these family members receiving all this money from foreign entities and foreign enterprises they have no relevant knowledge or expertise to advise? And better question, these payments span nearly a decade. So what did these Bidens, including the big guy perhaps, have to do and have to give up in order to keep getting this cash? Joining me now with his thoughts on that and so much more is author of Uncovered, Steve Krakauer. Steve, it's great to have you and you're the perfect person to dig into all of this given your book Uncovered. There's a lot of uncovering to be done here. <laughs> There is. Yes. I, I think it's it's a fascinating story. In fact, the Hunter Biden laptop story, which is, your, as you know, October 2020, begins my book because I think it just perfectly encapsulates so much of, of really all aspects of this story. You know, the double standard when it comes to the media's interest in, say, chasing after a really juicy story when it's certain participants like Donald Trump and certain participants like Joe Biden or the Biden family, they completely ignore. And we see this in story after story. Now, of course, we're learning so much more about it, thanks to some congressional investigations. But where was the media for so long during this time? Well, we know where they were. They were essentially in collusion, this sort of censorship collusion racket between tech platforms, government and intel agencies like the FBI, which we now know thanks to the Twitter files, 
and the corporate media themselves, which really worked overtime to suppress the story, spin this Russian disinformation narrative, which obviously, even, even at the time, was so untrue and so clearly wrong. But that was what they bought. That was what they gave their audience. And now, years later, we start to see this. And yet still, it's the corporate press playing catch up. And now we've got information that, I mean, is pretty damning. You've also got emails, text messages that say things like, if you discuss this, don't mention Joe specifically, only in person, don't write it down. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's what we've seen. But also, I want to get back to these payments here, because we know that this has been occurring. But Hunter Biden's attorneys, you know, they put out a lovely little message. I'm going to read it for everyone so they understand the situation. Hunter Biden, a private citizen with every right to pursue his own business endeavors, joined several business partners in seeking a joint venture with a privately owned legitimate energy company in China. As part of that joint venture, Hunter received his portion of good faith seed funds, which he shared with his uncle, James Biden and Haley Biden, with whom he was involved with at the time and sharing expenses. Now, they said that this was a legitimate energy company. They never said that Hunter Biden was legitimate energy specialist in any way, shape or form. But it's really interesting the way they're trying to play this, that these people that have no expertise, no reason to get seed funds from anything are receiving money from foreign entities. But it's all OK because they're private citizens. I think that this feels like it goes far beyond that, though, even for the average person who might be low information viewing and voting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's becoming more and more clear. And frankly, it was from the very first moment this this the seeds of this story began to drip out. Again, we're talking years ago at this point. It was so clear that something uh, improper, at, at least worth investigating, was there. When you look at the, some of these foreign payments, when you look at obviously Hunter Biden's background, you know what's what's on his resume doesn't necessarily match up with the sort of money that he's making from these entities. It was clear there was something there. Remember the Tony Bobolin interviews, which were, were really exploded onto the scene. And what happens? I think this is this is so key to people like to be under a discerning consumer of the media. When you see stories that are clearly of interest to, the, to, to anyone, of national interest, being entirely ignored, not just you know spun as saying covered one way or covered a different way, but absolutely ignored as if it doesn't exist, that's usually when there's something really there there. And that's what you need to be paying attention to, because clearly that was the case in the story. You're right about the power of the media, because even when you mention the Tony Bobulinski interview, I mean, all that occurred on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, I believe. So unfortunately, there's a large segment of the population that the same thing with the January 6th tapes, the same thing with the Wuhan lab leak. If it takes place on a conservative outlet like a Fox News, they immediately discount it, even though all the information, the hard facts are there. If the rest of the media, the CNN, the C uh, CBS, the rest of the outlets don't cover it, don't touch it, they just think it's a Fox News thing and they completely tune out. But this is another thing that I just wish that there was some curiosity from journalists. I said it in my open. But what really bothers me here is it's not just like a one payment. It's not a one-off thing. It's not, okay, I'm a Biden. These people think I have access. They think that I can get some favorable policy. They're going to pay me once. Uh, we don't go through with it, so then the money stops flowing. No, because this has been flowing for years and years and years. So one would have to ask, what are these Biden family members doing for these companies? It's not their expertise. What are they doing over the span of several years to keep this money coming? That's a national security risk, is it not? 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly the kind of story that is is of political implications, of potential national security implications, the kind of thing that may have been worth knowing, uh, certainly before the last 2020 election. But at the very least, as you talk about, this has been going on for years, decades and whatnot. Joe Biden was a longtime senator. He was sitting there in the vice presidential office for, for eight years, and none of this was really being covered. And, and it gets to one of the, the reasons why we see this, because there's cooperation whether it's at a downright you know sort of coziness between the people that are covering this the people that are supposed to be the the check on power they are I'm not saying they're best friends with the Biden family but they run in the same circles this is a family that's been around like the Clintons for decades around Washington around the political and media elite this has been been going on for forever and so when you have these potential inklings of impropriety they just get swept aside because there's no incentive for the media I mean this is such an important thing, point to, to understand here that I get at my book uncovered. There is no incentive for the media to go against them because they'll have penalties on their social life. They'll have penalties among you know potential jobs in the future. There is just this unspoken rule where let's just kind of keep that aside until it bubbles up up to a point where they they just frankly can't ignore it any longer. Which is I think where we're getting to this point. That's the problem too. Long gone are the days of Woodward and Bernstein out there just trying to get the story regardless of their personal political affiliation. I mean, that's long gone at this point. But another interesting twist to this story, I mean, this is all so humorous. You almost have to find the humor in it or else it'll just enrage you, and it still enrages me. But I think this is another great, another great twist to it. Hunter Biden now wants to sue the shopkeeper for the laptop, although he's not, he's not saying that the laptop was his. So he's right. suing the shopkeeper for invasion of privacy for the laptop that he's not claiming. Uh, Steve, I'm not quite sure that that's uh, got a lot of legal merit to it, or at least it sounds preposterous. No, I, I think this is this this new Hunter Biden strategy to fight fire with fire. I, I think he potentially knows that there's something coming down the pike that he wants to get ahead of here. But yeah, just just think about how we were rolled out this story as an American public to, to see where we are now. I mean, it was, oh, this is clearly not his laptop. This is just Russian dis disinformation. And, this, you know, the New York Post is making this up. Uh, the Daily Mail, which ran some stories about this, making this up now. Now we've gotten so far down the line, it's been actually verified by places like the CNN or the New York Times, which, again, for years ignore the story until now it's no longer really of interest to ignore it. And so now you can say, oh, yeah, actually, the laptop's real. Now you get Hunter Biden saying, oh, OK, well, now I'm going to sue the laptop owner over this. I mean, it's completely ridiculous, but it does show that I think if anyone is familiar with anything that was on the laptop, you would not be maybe surprised by the dissent of Hunter Biden. But it does show where we are, where where this is now the the, the only only recourse that a Hunter Biden has is to try to to you know sue the shop owner in a lawsuit he's clearly going to lose. And of course, you know, between his artwork and this, it's like, I don't know what's more embarrassing at this point. He is embarrassing. And, you know, I said this over the weekend in the green room with some of my Fox colleagues. If the man wants to make money this badly, just get an OnlyFans account and make it in a legitimate <laughs> way because people will pay for that content. You don't need to put our national security at risk. You don't need to keep painting these paintings. Just join OnlyFans, Hunter Biden. That's my suggestion. But I have to go to the other issue. You know, as I'm sure you cover in your book, Uncovered, uh, 
the media, the Democrat Party, the Biden administration has an excellent way of confusing people and doing the whole look here, not there. So last week, we got a lot of information about this Hunter Biden, Biden family scandal, right? We got another Biden family member receiving money. We've got a still an unknown receiving money that we don't even know yet. But now what happens all of a sudden? Trump could be arrested tomorrow. So I have to get your take on that. When you saw the news reports and the Truth Social posts of Trump saying that illegal leaks lead him to believe he's going to be arrested cuffed tomorrow, do you think it's going to happen? I think it might. I mean, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's down the road between New York and Georgia, it does seem like some sort of arrest or, or prosecution is coming for Trump. And and my gosh, I mean, I, you watched the Sunday shows yesterday, the excitement, the, just the palpable excitement in the media of, frankly, not just the potential arrest of Donald Trump, although I do think that there was some of that, but just the fact that they can talk about him again. I mean, I, I detail in chapter five of Uncovered the absolute addiction that so many in the media had to to Donald Trump. I mean, it was personal on some level. He kind of ran in their circles and then he became this turncoat to them. Uh, and, and it was also business. Look, he was so good for business that so you have to kind of note that. But also there were some, some people whose brains were frankly broken in believing that they were in this existential threat to democracy that they were fighting against. Woodward and Bernstein every day, it's Watergate. Now they get to do it all over again and they are just eating it up. I absolutely think it's going to happen. And I think the media is going to love to cover it in the most ridiculous way possible and in a way I would I would argue is going to only help Donald Trump's reelection chances. Well, I want to get into that because here's what I think is interesting. The Democrats win on this either way. So, they've been having this insatiable itch to see Trump in handcuffs. I mean, since 2015, really. They've wanted this. Yeah. They've promised their base that they're going to do this. They've tried and they've tried and they've tried and they've tried and they've fallen short. So if he actually is cuffed, even if for a misdemeanor that's been upgraded to a felony thanks to a radical DA, the left gets their wish of seeing Donald Trump in handcuffs. But also, that point that you made about helping Donald Trump's re-election possibility, I don't know if it helps his re-election, but I think it helps him become the nominee. Because as we've yeah. already seen over the weekends, Republicans are circling the wagons around Donald Trump just as they did after the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And so I think the Democrats also win there. Because I think they want to run against Trump. I think they want him to be our nominee. I think that he, in their eyes, is much easier to beat than a Ron DeSantis. So I think that even if none of this goes as planned, even if the case is so flimsy and it has no legal merit, the appearance of it is going to be good for them. And it's going to cause the Trump crowd to rally around Donald Trump. They want to run against Trump. So I think they win either way on this. I, I think you're right. I, I'm, and to be honest, the more we talk about this and the more we kind of play this out, it's feeling like this 2015, 2016 playbook all over again. I mean, they they really, I, I cover and uncover about CNN and MSNBC, the real, I mean, just the the empty podium and the, the fairly nice interviews they did during the primary process. What was that? Well, it was because they thought he'd be easy to beat. And because, you know, once they turned on the jets, when it came to the general election, well, then they, they thought, okay, this is obviously over. And they were completely shocked. I mean, crying in the newsroom over the election of Donald Trump in November 2016. I think that they're trying to run this back. I agree with you. I, I think that they think he'll be easier than a Ron DeSantis or, or anyone else who's in that seat. They want to see it happen again. And whether it's the media or the Democratic establishment, you know, how, how far away are they at this point when you talk about the corporate press? I think that there's a real hunger. I mean, again, a, a real addiction to, to getting Donald Trump back in the news, back at the lead story every single day. We saw this with Russiagate, with the Steele dossier. We're going to see this all about you know, January 6th, as you mentioned, and now all of these potential 
you know, prosecutions, they think that it's going to only help their chances when it comes to the political motivations at the end of it. But where can people get your book? I'm sure everywhere. Uncovered, How the Media Got Cozy with Power, Abandoned Its Principles, and Lost the People. I couldn't think of a more fitting description of the last several years. Uh, where can they get your book and what yeah. can they expect? Absolutely. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. Readuncovered.com. Readuncovered.com. You can find it. Uh, really, what I try to do is detail the last five to seven years of, of how the media went completely off the rails and, and not just how, but also why. And so you can understand, look, the media is not getting better anytime soon, but here's what you should watch for. Here's the red flags that you should look for. So you know what's coming down the road in the future. You can be a better informed news consumer, know how to kind of bypass these gatekeepers and get the truth. So many people are looking for that right now. So that's an excellent answer, an excellent solution. Steve, thanks for being here. Uh, all eyes on tomorrow. We'll see if we're going to get an arrest, as if things couldn't get any more exciting already in 2023. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for being You're here. watching. Appreciate it. All right, up next, switching gears. My next guest woke up one morning and decided he needed to drop some pounds, but his method is rather unconventional, eating McDonald's and nothing but McDonald's for 100 days. Big Mac coaching Kevin McGinnis joins me in studio next. So we're just a few months into the new year, and the number one resolution for Americans remains lose weight and get in shape. Now, while some are doing it through diabetes medications like Ozempic, others are doing it the old-fashioned way, diet and exercise. And I guess you could put my next guest in that category with a twist. In order to lose weight, he has dedicated himself to eating McDonald's. Yes, only McDonald's for 100 days. Joining me now is Big Mac coach Kevin McGinnis. Hey there. Kevin, this is a very interesting story that you've gotten a lot of attention for. But a lot of people would be skeptical. Fast food for 100 days to lose weight, yep. but it's working for you. How many pounds are you down? 25 and a half pounds down, 28 days in. That's like a pound a day. Just about. So early on, it's probably a little water weight, but then it'll probably average out to about a half a pound a day for the 100 days. So I'm expecting to be about 50 pounds down at the end of the 100 days. You have to go through this logistically with me. Because when we hear just eating McDonald's, you eat it for every meal, yep. but... That's a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, how do you do this? How do you play this with the McDonald's menu? One that I am very familiar with, by the way. <laughs> so normally I'll go, if I, said, I go for breakfast, I'll get, like this morning, I had a McMelody. I actually made up my own sandwich for my wife. So uh, it's the McGriddle, but it has a chicken patty instead of the sausage patty, has a round egg instead of the folded egg. Delicious, savory, sweet. But I'll eat half of that, cut that in half, and the hash browns and the orange juice to eat half, and I'll save the other half for lunch. And then I'll go back at dinner time, get a dinner, and then I'll save half of that dinner for the next day's breakfast. So I'll go two times to McDonald's one day, one time the next day because of the leftover factor. So you're really not eating that much, though. So that's probably why it's working for you, to be honest. It's probably yeah. not the merits of McDonald's itself. It's probably the fact that you're eating far less than you were eating before, because that's not a whole lot of food. Are you hungry? So three meals a day, cut in half. And I seek the heat before I eat. So when I say seek the heat, that's the hunger part. People ask all the time, are you hungry? Three times a day I am. But if, if I eat a smaller meal, it, process it, my, in about 15, 20 minutes, it hits the bloodstream and you're fine for about four, five, six hours, depending on the meal. And then I'll feel that burn, which is the seek the heat before I eat. When I feel that, I know that my body's processed the food. I'm pulling from fat reserves at that point. It's okay to add some more food. So three times a day, I actually feel real hunger, not just craving hunger. So yes, but not throughout the whole day, just at those moments right before I have my next meal. So it's less about the McDonald's and more about the routine. And it's true. really, it's not any different than a lot of these other weight loss programs that send you the food. It's like, just eat this and eat nothing else. 
and you'll lose weight. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is if, if you restrict yourself to just a certain item or a certain time of day, it's almost like intermittent fasting, but you're doing it with McDonald's. So it's a whole new level there. So completely. So I hear that question a lot. Definitely not intermittent fasting because I have no food windows. I have no food times. It's when my body's actually wanting food, not just my brain craving food. So because I'm going to a, a restaurant I like, it would work with any restaurant. I happen to like McDonald's. I've got the entire menu to choose from, so I'm not depriving myself of anything. Apple fritters, hot fudge sundaes, McFlurries, all of it are okay as long as I'm seeking the heat before I eat and eating smaller portions of it, it's fine. So with that in mind, there's no intermittent fasting from a, oh, I've got to only eat at this time or I can't eat at a certain right. way. There's times I've eaten at 10 o'clock at night and there's times that I eat at six o'clock at night for my dinner. It just depends on when my body's hungry. I tend to go to bed hungry. So my body is actually empty while I'm sleeping. So it's burning even while I'm sleeping. And then I wake up the next morning hungry and go ahead and have breakfast. It's the routine of it that makes it simple. And for a lot of people, yeah. that's the biggest thing. I know that you had mentioned in your pre-interview the snacking, and that's what gets everybody. It's the snacking. Yeah. Um, what about alcohol? The, McDonald's does not offer alcohol. So I have, I have not had any, there's not been a single calorie enter my body that hasn't, not even a breath mint. I haven't had anything except McDonald's for the past 28 days now. Wow. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with it. Sure. Um, well, I wasn't a big alcohol. I mean, people are like, oh, did you have a beer belly before? I was never a go home and drink a six pack of beer kind of guy. Right. Um, I'd have social drinks occasionally. So that wasn't it for me. It was seconds, thirds, snacking. That's what my problem was, not alcohol. As as most Americans. Yeah. Uh, burning question for you. Have you had the Cardi B and offset meal at McDonald's? <laughs> Normally, I don't have any family. My family members are not like doing this with me specifically. So no, I haven't had a reason to get the double meal there and actually share the meal with someone else. So, but I have used the dollar menu and the app and people are like, what's the cost of this? It's less than $5 a meal on average so far. Right. And that's what a lot of people's criticism is of fast food is that people have to eat it because it's cheap and it's not necessarily the best for them. But you're living proof that, listen, if you eat things and you eat a little bit restricted, mm -hmm. that's the key. Uh, also, another burning question I have at McDonald's, because you said that you, you get Sundays and that of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, how often do you go to McDonald's to get ice cream and they tell you that the ice cream machine is broken? Because <laughs> that's like every single time for me. <laughs> Luckily, there's like 37 McDonald's in the greater Nashville area. And I bet so, they're all broken. <laughs> they're no. You can always find one. If, you're, if, you're, if you actually search enough, you'll find one that has it. <laughs> all right. Well, also, you can't do this forever. I mean, it's 100 days. After the 100 days, what's the game plan? So... Once I get to a, the weight for my body, which I don't, I'm not a number like you have to be at this number, but there's a healthy range that I should be in and I'm not at it yet. So I'm still moving that direction. Once I'm there, instead of cutting the meals in half, I'll probably go to three quarters of a meal. My day 101, I will have a Big Mac for lunch just because it's fun. Why not? I'll probably have filet mignon for dinner that night, but I'll cut it in half. Um, but after that, that's really the question is what's next? It might be a road trip to like a diners, drive-ins and dives kind of a thing, but maintaining the weight while eating food again that people would say you can't eat that food and still stay healthy. Because it's not just the weight. One of the biggest questions is, can you be healthy doing this? And so I had the blood work done at the beginning, had blood work done in 14 days, and every single month we're going to do the blood work until the 100 days. Every marker improved. So my A1C, which is for risk of diabetes, was out of range, back in range. Triglycerides, back in range. Cholesterol, dropped 50 points. LDL, dropped 50 points. So every way you can measure health is improving because obesity is the number two preventable cause of death in the country. If I get the fat off, everything else improves along with that. So I think a lot of people would wonder 
if everything has gone down eating McDonald's, which we know objectively is not very healthy for you, what were you eating I would, before? I would argue. Well, what were you eating before? <laughs> so because anybody's going to drop weight if they were eating like awful before and then they go down to just restricting themselves. I mean, there's going to be weight loss that happens. Yeah, but home, if you were home-cooked meals. Right. I, and I go through drive-thrus at times. I wasn't, it wasn't like I did all my meals through fast food. In fact, since COVID hit, there was just almost all home cooking. But the home cooking was the challenge because I could go to the fridge in between Zooms and grab some more food and I'd eat a meal and then, oh, wait, the family's eating meals. So let me eat again with the family. I, mean, I was just eating right. constantly. And consequently, though, if I'm putting more in then my body is burning off, it's going to start ballooning. So boy, eating has become a pastime for a lot of Americans. Yeah. I mean, it really has. COVID, the COVID, I don't even say COVID, the response to COVID did that to a lot Thank of you. people. Yeah. The, the locking in. Don't go outside, don't go to the gym, but stay in and order Uber Eats. And now it's become so easy because you can order Uber Eats and the food is there for you. So you don't have to get out and and go do anything. Um, Last question for you. McDonald's, if McDonald's does reach out to you, Mm -hmm. do you become the next Cardi B and Offset then? (laughs) Do they have the new Kevin meal at McDonald's? Because I want to see that. I I would love that. If they do want to reach out, I'm more than happy to have a conversation. Um, They haven't yet. And there may be some reasons why, I don't know, but I'd love to actually, I think I'm getting enough points on the app that I should be able to buy a McDonald's by the time we're done with this. You know what? That would come full circle, and I think that's a great idea. I think (laughs) that you should buy a McDonald's, and you should put it in a really nice area and always make sure that the ice cream machine is working. There you go. Have backup ice cream machines. And don't let your employees lie to people about that ice cream machine, because I know they just don't (laughs) want to maintain it past 7 p.m. I'm on (laughs) They already cleaned it out. (laughs) Yes. Well, Kevin, congratulations to you. you. And it's inspiring to so many people that you're able to do this, and you're able to stick with it. And McDonald's has a pretty good menu. Also, arguably, in my opinion, the best French fries in the fast food game. Hash browns as well. I'll put yes. their hash browns against just about anybody's. I agree with you. Yeah. We're on the same page. Well, <laughs> good luck to you. Thank and uh, what are you going to get for dinner? Great question. I usually drive through and just notice what's on the menu. Whatever feels good, I'll get that. So whether it's the McFlurry along with the Big Mac or the double quarter pounder with cheese, whatever looks good. All right. Well, now I'm hungry, yeah. but I probably wouldn't cut it in half because if I'm going to go, I'm, I'm different than you, Kevin. If I'm going to go McDonald's, I'm just going straight fat ass. There you go. Like if I'm already there and I'm already having to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I'm at McDonald's, there's no holding back. I want a selfie of you the next time you go through. That would be awesome. At the ice cream machine. Yeah. I'm coming for you. All right, All right. Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Here. Thank you for having me. Uh, still ahead, switching gears. The Rainbow Mafia continues to run roughshod over our country as yet another athlete is forced to explain why he doesn't want to wear rainbows while playing his sport. My final thoughts are next. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you have pride in your sexuality, then great, but you have no right to make others celebrate it. It's time for Final Thoughts. It's become the new normal in Woke 2023. Companies, organizations, schools, teams, entertainers, athletes, you name it, must plaster the rainbow to their logo or person in some way, shape, or form even when it has literally zero to do with the task or the mission of the organization or individual, or else be labeled a homophobe, transphobe, blah, blah, blah. And if someone should be so bold as to not fall in line with this forced rainbow crap, they must explain and explain and explain why not. And here we go again. San Jose Sharks goalie James Reimer announced he would not be donning a rainbow pride-themed jersey for the team's pride night against the New York Islanders, citing his religious beliefs that, uh uh-huh, he has every right to hold and, quite frankly, shouldn't have to defend or explain. But because this is 2023 and we've allowed the rainbow mafia to run roughshod over much of Western civilization, 
here we are. Let's think about how ridiculous this is. James Reimer's team wants to throw a pride night for the likely 0.5% of hockey fans who were into that sort of thing. And it's not even June. Now, athletic teams are expected to celebrate the sexual preferences of a minority of Americans just year-round for no discernible reason or have their imaginary phobias called into question? And I'm not saying that to be anti-gay, by the way. I'm legitimately questioning why a hockey team that's in the business of playing hockey must celebrate the sexual preferences of some people. Do y'all not get how ludicrous this whole charade has become? And now we're in this space where those who opt out of it are lambasted, nailed to the rainbow, and must put out a statement of explanation. I mean, my God, the statement should be, I play freaking hockey, for God's sake. As Gwen Stefani would say, this is bananas. This whole forced pride celebration thing is also just too much for me, and it's actually a contradiction itself. Because pride is a personal thing. It's a celebration of oneself, one's identity, one's choices, one's being. It is not a mechanism to force others to recognize what you like about yourself or your identity, your sexuality, your life choices. That's on freaking you. You don't need me and everyone else on planet Earth to wear a rainbow to validate you because that's a you thing. And I say that as someone who is not anti-gay, who doesn't give a hoot who you sleep with or who you marry so long as it ain't a child. This is also disappointing, really, because the LGBTQ movement used to be about equality and basic rights, but now that the Rainbow Mafia has hijacked it, it's become about special treatment for celebration and, sadly, the grooming of children. The broader LGBTQ movement has a responsibility to shut down the filth, and I hope they do. But for now, those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.